The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Welcome aboard, everybody, and welcome back into another Scoop Podcast presented by PPG. I'm Josh Getzoff, and I think it's fair to say we all could use some hockey talk right about now. I know I miss it. I know you miss it. And our hopes, I think, are answered in this episode as I go one-on-one with Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan to assess what has been an extremely busy offseason for his Penguins. We hit on everything, the coaching changes, the trades, the signings, and even get into some of Sullivan's coaching philosophy as well. Now, I always enjoy my conversations with the Penguins bench boss, and if you've ever caught our bi-weekly radio show during the Penguins regular season, I think you'll really enjoy this extended conversation with Sullivan. So let's dive in. Here is my conversation with the only U.S.-born head coach in NHL history to win multiple Stanley Cups, both behind the bench here in Pittsburgh. That would be Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan, and he's the guest on the Scoop Podcast presented by PPG. Well, Coach, uh, last time you and I sat together and talked and kind of dissected the Penguins. It was a, a slightly different world, and that's putting it lightly. Back in March in Columbus, uh, a lot has changed since. Uh, first of all, great to see you again, but, man, uh, to kind of process everything that has gone on since that conversation in Columbus the next day, coming back to Pittsburgh and being here now, you know, in the early stages of fall and what should be the start of the season, obviously not, a uh, very different time that we're in right now. Yeah, it really is. It's. Uh, I don't think any of us could have imagined what has unfolded between our last conversation, Josh, and, and where we are right now, uh, certainly I haven't, or I couldn't have imagined it. But uh, you know, hopefully, uh, the world is making progress here, and, and at some point we can return to some semblance of normalcy. I know we're all, uh, all of us are uh, are longing for that for that opportunity. You know, the things that we that we've taken for granted all our lives, right. all of a sudden we don't take for granted anymore. So. I'm just looking forward to the opportunity to get back on the ice and, and, and do what we love to do. There is some normalcy maybe in this conversation. I know you joked a couple times that you missed talking to the media. We, we get these one-on-ones, so maybe that brings a little bit of normalcy. I don't know. I'm trying to find the silver lining here. Yeah, yeah, maybe it, maybe it does bring a little bit of normalcy. You know, it's, uh, I, I did joke about that a little bit. You know, it's, uh, it, it's just an interesting world that we're living in right now. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm having conversations with our players and, you know, trying to help them navigate through the, the, their challenges. You know, where where the timetable is um, is not um, it, it, it's not direct at this point. We're not sure when we're going to start or how long training camp's going to be or what the season's going to look like. And you know, and trying to trying to help the players, you know, put a training regiment together uh, to try to to try to train at this time of year for uh, a starting point that we don't know can be a challenge. Right. And so I, I've had a number of conversations with our coaching, uh, with our strength conditioning guys uh, and our players, uh, you know, trying to help them solve those those short-term challenges, I guess. But it's just, you know, we're in uncharted water here. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's certainly a unique circumstance. Uh, my hope is that uh, is that we're we're closer to uh, some sort of therapeutic or vaccine that's going to be a game changer for the world, and mm-hmm. uh, and and if and when that does occur, I think uh, I think we'll start to see some semblance of normalcy. 
Well, as I said in the beginning, obviously a lot has happened since you and I last spoke, and one of the things that has happened is the season that was paused did come to a conclusion. I kind of wanted to start our conversation by going back before we get to you know where you guys are at now and approaching the uncertainty of the 2020-2021 season by kind of wrapping up the 2019-2020 season, and it was a whirlwind. I think from going to the the flatness of those three four months of not really knowing what was going to happen to the return to play plan to that warp speed training camp that you guys had in Cranberry before obviously going up to Toronto and I'm sure having a much shorter stay than you anticipated what's it been like kind of processing all of that as far as the the fallout from the season maybe the expectation that you had in coming back and, and where the team ended up when it was all said and done well, it's uh, you know it, it's something that I think about every day, and and as a coaching staff and a management team, we always go through a uh, a debrief and uh, a due diligence process where we're trying to learn through the experiences that we go through. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when you look at last season, uh, and 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 I guess this is part of the the world that we live in in pro sports. Uh, but when I look at our, our last season, there was so much of it that we were very proud of. And uh, from my standpoint as the, as the head coach, it was a real rewarding experience to watch our players uh, overcome some of the challenges and, and find certain levels of success during the, during the regular season. And, uh, but I think when, you know, when, when the end result was you know, we lost in the, in the first round in the bubble, uh, that's huge disappointment, right? And so, and we're all disappointed. Our players are, our coaches are, our management team. You know, it, it's uh, we're we're all disappointed. And uh, and and I and for me, I, I try to look at things objectively and and try to remove some of the emotion and say, okay, what can we learn from this? How do we grow and get better? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what is it about this past season that that we liked and and we can continue moving forward because there was a lot more of it that we liked than that we didn't like and i think that gets lost uh at this particular point and i understand why and and that that that's just part of the world that we live in but as the coach you know there is there are only certain things that you can control and and for me and i and i know you know this because i've talked about this ad nauseum is is just really what we try to focus on is the process what can we control how do we get better and and what can we measure and analyze uh and 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 what experiences can we learn from the good and the bad mm-hmm. and that's the process that we've tried to go through you know i i think when you look at uh, the experience that we had in the bubble uh, you know we're we're in a shortened series in, in five games against a real good team and uh you know, there, there's so much parity in the league right now. The, 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 there's such a fine line between winning and losing. Right. Uh, every team in this league is good. They all have good players. And, and I think sometimes there's, there's this expectation that, that, you know, that teams are just going to get run over. And it just doesn't happen in this, in this, uh, in this league in today's game. Right. And, uh, and, and I give Montreal a lot of credit. They played extremely well. Their goaltender was spectacular. Uh, and they were opportunistic. You know, I, I thought for a lot of that series, we played some pretty good hockey. Uh, you know, I felt like after the first three games, we probably should have won at least two of them, maybe three. <laughs> and so uh, it just didn't work out that way. And so uh, the most disappointing uh, part of the, uh, of the bubble experience for me was, uh, was the last game we played because I felt like we needed more push and we didn't get it. And that's on all of us. We all have to take ownership for it. But there's so much of that past season that, that, uh, that I can look back on and be proud of. 
and and we're trying to dissect it right, you know to this day and and figure out what are the lessons learned and how do we get better and I think it's fair to say that you know anytime as you mentioned when when that's the last taste that you have in your mouth that last game against Montreal you you go into the offseason with a bitter taste in your mouth because of the way the season ended but to your point there were a lot of positives with that being said I think Jim Rutherford was pretty straightforward at the end of the year saying that he was going to you know reevaluate the roster reevaluate the situation and it really didn't take him long to to make any kind of movement as far as your team is concerned and uh, the first moves were amongst your coaching staff as he let go of Jacques Martin Sergey Gonchar and Mark Recchi. Uh I know in the conversations that I've had with you and the conversations I've had with those guys that these weren't just your coaches and your assistant coaches. These guys were your friends. I mean, you won championships together. You, you've you been through a lot together. So how difficult was that? I'm sure you were very involved in those decisions. You know, how difficult was that to, to kind of, you know, make that decision final and then move forward after you had to kind of step away from those guys that have been such critical parts of success of Penguins teams past? Well, I, you know, from my personal standpoint, I can't, you know, I can't even put it into words how tough it was. And, uh, you know, the, these guys are really good coaches. They're smart. They're smart people. They're good friends. Yeah. Uh, they're great hockey guys. Uh, they have a passion for what they do. They care about the Penguins. You know, there was, there's so many things about those guys that I love. And, uh, and so it, that, that was a very difficult time for me on a personal note. And, uh, and so, but, you know, as I say to the players all the time that, you know, when, when expectations are high and you don't live up to expectations, then change is inevitable Mm -hmm. and change happens on all levels. You know, sometimes it's players, sometimes it's coaches, sometimes it's management. Uh, but you know, the, the, the moral of the story is, is that change is inevitable and uh and we understand that you know we understand that we all all of us that are in this profession we we understand that it's part of what we sign up for uh it doesn't necessarily make it any easier when it happens and i've been through it a fair amount in my in my lifetime and so uh so i i understand it uh but it it certainly was a difficult time for me and then beyond that you obviously had to replace the coaches that were let go. You bring in a guy that I think Penguins fans are pretty familiar with, and Todd Reardon, who obviously was let go as the head coach of the Capitals at the end of this past season, and Mike Vellucci, who is down in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, has had a ton of success in the junior and American League levels, and obviously has a relationship with Jim Rutherford. Um, I, I know you discussed a lot about those guys when they were first hired and how excited you were to have them on board, but what's it been like since? I mean, what have the meetings been like since you've been able to, I guess, kind of jump into working with them and kind of get the game plan in order for how you want the three of you and, and the other coaches on the staff to kind of intertwine and work together going towards this season? It's been really good. You know, it, it, it's hard because we're all, you know, everything is through WebEx meetings yeah, right. and, uh, and phone calls. Uh, and so that distance aspect is, makes it a little bit challenging when you're trying to get to know one another mm-hmm. uh, on a personal level. And, and I think that's important. It's, it's important for players and teams. Uh, it's important for coaching staffs. And, uh, and so although I have uh, a, a little bit of uh, experience with these guys, and uh, I certainly look forward to the opportunity to, to be physically together and, uh, and to get to know one another even more, uh, but it's been really it, to this point. It's been very productive. We've had a couple of different uh, phone conversations. We've had a number of uh, WebEx meetings. Uh, you know, we, we go through at the end of every year. 
we go through a due diligence process where where we look at the league and we look at our team. And uh, and I've done this every year with my coaching staff. I believe strongly in it. And and so we're, we're trying to figure out uh, where the league is going. What are the evolutions of the game? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are, what is some of the best practices in the league? Uh, what are some teams doing that we're not, that we might be able to do that might help us gain a competitive advantage? Uh, so we go through that process. And then we look at our own team, and we dissect our own team game. Mm-hmm. You know, do we like how we're playing? It, is it uh, Does it fit the personnel group that we have? Uh, do we Would we make any changes? Uh, and so we're in the process of going through that due diligence process right now. And, and so uh, I told my coaching staff that whenever we get the direction from the league, uh, on you know timelines on when training camp will start and uh, how long training camp will be and what that's going to look like, uh, then we are going to uh, have in-person meetings uh, a month in advance of that. So, uh, but and in the meantime, everybody, all the everybody on the staff is going through. They, they all have their own responsibilities in preparing presentations for those meetings, right? And different aspects of our game. Uh, both our own team and the best practices in the league. So, for example, you know Todd Reardon's looking at power plays, and Mike Vellucci's looking at penalty kills, mm-hmm. and you know I'm going to go through our team concept and share with them how we play and the details of our game, and then I'm listening to their ideas and and what they might bring to the table, and and how you know how we can tweak our game plan in order to uh, to gain more of a competitive advantage and become a better team. So. That's the process we're going through right now, and uh, I look forward to those meetings when we can get in the same room, um, even though it'll probably be with masks on and social distancing, but at least we're face-to-face, <laughs> right. and we got an opportunity to, to share ideas uh, in, in the same room and, and prepare. So when we come out of those meetings, uh, we will have a detailed game plan on, on how the Penguins are going to play and what they're going to look like. Sometimes I wonder if the media makes too big of a deal about the aspect of players and coaches having previous relationships. But I also wonder in this kind of a situation if, you know, a guy like Todd Reardon, who does know Chris Letang, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, guys that were on this team when he was an assistant coach here, and Mike Vellucci, who coached Sam Lafferty and Anthony Angelo and guys of that nature in Wilkes-Barre Scranton, that, that little bit of familiarity that they have with current players on your roster and then obviously you with the entire roster, if maybe that does help in a situation when you can't see each other and you can't physically have that one-on-one interaction and that player interaction to have that background knowledge, does that actually you know make a little bit of a difference? I think it makes a big difference. You know, I, When I look at a guy like Todd Reardon, I know he has established relationships with our core guys mm-hmm. and uh, Chris Letang in particular and has a very good relationship. Uh, with those guys, and and that can only help because uh, you know it, it takes time to sure. build to build trust, and and you know and build relationships, and uh, and so the fact that he has established relationships already with these guys can only help us. Uh, you know, Mike Vellucci has the same thing with some of our younger guys and our call ups, and uh, and so uh, I, I think these guys are. I'm really excited to work with them. I think they're smart hockey guys. Uh, I, I think they have a lot of experience they can bring to the table. Uh, I think they're going to challenge me as a head coach and, and try to uh, enforce me to become a better coach through through ideas and, and conversation. And and, uh, and and I look forward to, to that opportunity to work with these guys. So, But the fact that they have uh, established relationships with some of our guys already, for me, is can only help us when we do uh, get back to playing. 
So the coaching staff was the, the first thing that was kind of settled and, and, you know, revamped as far as the Penguins going into this next season was concerned. And then obviously Jim Rutherford set to work on the roster. And it wasn't much longer after some of those coaching changes at the end of the month of August, actually, that the first big trade of the offseason went down when Kasperi Kapanen, who ironically enough was a Penguins first round pick, uh, comes back to Pittsburgh in a trade with Toronto. Uh, I think a lot of people are excited. I know yourself included from when you spoke to the media after Kapanen was acquired about a guy of his skill set, his speed, his age, uh, and his ability to, to jump into your forward group and make an impact. But, you know, now that you've had some time to kind of process it, wh- where do you envision this guy? Or is, is it too early to say as far as how he's going to, you know, come into the Penguins lineup and where he could potentially wind up uh, at the beginning of next season? Well, I don't think it's too early to say. I, uh, you know, I, I, we, we certainly envision him uh, playing a certain role in our top six. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would like to, I would like to start him with Sid and uh, and Jake uh, on that right side. We mm-hmm. think he brings a that speed dimension that that I think is complementary to Sid and Jake's game, and he's shown an ability to finish. You know, right. he's he's scored twenty goals in this league. Uh, he has uh, elite speed. Uh, he has good size, so he brings a, a a size dimension to to that line as well. So when we play in games that that tend to be heavy in nature. Uh, I think uh, I think Cappy's a guy that can help us in that capacity, uh, and so you know we think his skill set could potentially be very complementary to Sid and Jake. We'd like to start him there, uh, but as I always tell you guys, you know those things are etched in pencil. They're, right. You know they're certainly not etched in stone, because sometimes how you envision a roster and uh, on paper and how it actually plays out uh, aren't always the same. And so, you know, it's like chemistry on a team. You know, chemistry is is not easy to predict sometimes. And so, you know, you're dealing with human nature, mm-hmm. and human nature can be unpredictable. And so, you know, these are conversations we have internally all the time. And, you know, when we talk about bringing a guy into our locker room, what kind of guy is he first and foremost? Is he going to fit into our group? Uh, is, is, is he going to help our, our team culture? Uh, you know, in, in how we go about our business every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and then what kind of a player is he? Can he play the style of play that we're trying to play? Can, will he fit in a, in a certain role uh, with with the personnel group that we have? Right. You know, we, we try to answer all these questions, and we drill down into the details, and, and we weigh the pros and the cons, and, and, and they're lengthy conversations. You know, these things aren't taken lightly, and – and, and so, you know, we've had all of those conversations. And with Kasperi uh, Kapanen, we think he's a guy that checks a lot of boxes. You know, he's, he's going to help our team speed. You know, we, I don't think it's any secret that speed has been part of the fabric of, of the identity of this group. We still feel as though uh, this is a team that, that can play a speed game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to surround our core with as much speed as we can. Uh, and he's going to help us in that capacity. He has some finish. He's a good penalty killer. Uh, he's got good size, so he makes us a little bit bigger, which is an area where, where we think we could improve. So he, like I said, he he checks a lot of boxes. We think, uh, you know, we'll start him with Sid and Jake. We'll see how it goes, and uh, if we've got to make adjustments, we'll make adjustments. But, you know, when you look at our top six right now with uh, with Sid, Jake, and and Kapanen, and then uh, and then Gino, Rusty, and uh, and Zucker. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty solid top six. And then Fast when you go down <laughs> the right side of our line uh, lineup at the forward position, with Kapanen, Rusty, and Tanov, and and you know, 
three of those right wings in the four lines, those are three guys with world-class speed. Yeah. And so, you know, we like that aspect of uh, the makeup of our forward group. Uh, we think not only is it going to help us play a, 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 a puck possession game, but it's going to also help us with a puck pursuit game mm-hmm. and forcing turnovers and putting defensemen under pressure. And, you know, as I say to our guys all the time, you, we've got we've to be a team that creates offense different ways. We can't just rely on one way to score. Or, you know, it can't be just off the rush or on the power play, mm-hmm. for example. Right. You know, we, we've got to be able to play a grind game, too. We've got to be able to play a possession game off the rush, but we can't get stubborn when there's numbers back. We've got to be able to put pucks behind defensemen and establish a pursuit game, force turnovers, and create our offense that way. And so when you look at some of the moves that we've made, we think we've we've added guys that can help us in all those capacities. I think to your point when you mentioned some of those things, especially guys maybe deeper in your lineup, you think back to that trade with Florida a, a month or so ago where Colton Sevier, who a guy that I presume would be a, an ideal bottom six forward for this team, and, and Mike Matheson, who uh, I think it's fair to say had some struggles within the Florida organization in the last year, but clearly is a player that has a lot of upside, still is very young, great puck-moving defenseman. Uh, to bring those guys in, we'll get to the other side of that trade in a second in, in moving Patrick Hornquist to Sunrise, but to bring those guys in, um, maybe solidifying a little bit more of the depth aspect that you and Jim Rutherford have spoken about at the end of last season and bringing in guys that in the roles that I would presume that you have a, an idea of them potentially playing in, in this Penguins lineup would fit pretty well. Well, we think so, and yeah. and that was that was why Jim made the moves that he that he made. You know, these are difficult decisions; they're not easy. And uh, and I'll just I'll just say right up front that when you win Stanley Cups with a group of players, uh, it it has a a it has a unique way of galvanizing relationships with with uh, the people involved. And uh, I can't tell you how much respect. I have for the players that have won Stanley Cups in my tenure here. And, uh, you know, and, and we're talking about a guy like Patrick Hornquist. Uh, that, that was an emotional day for me. You know, this is a guy that I love. He is a, he is a terrific person, first and foremost. Uh, he is, uh, you know, he's, he's been such a huge part of the Penguin success. Uh, in in helping us win Stanley Cups, he's a warrior. There's mm-hmm. no other way to put it. He is just a warrior. Uh, but these are these are very very difficult decisions. Uh, we try to remove some of the emotion uh, in in making these decisions and try to be as objective as we can. And ultimately, the question that that Jim poses to us that we try to answer is: Are we a better team? Does it give us a better chance to win a Stanley Cup? And that's the that's the. The, the, the question that we're trying to answer all the time. And and so, you know, when you look at a guy like like Matheson coming in, he's a real mobile defenseman. He has elite uh, mobility. Uh, he can help us get, get back to pucks. He's going to help us get out of our end zone efficiently. Uh, he's He's got good size. He's got a long reach. He has a good stick. Uh, there's a lot of aspects of his game that we really like. And once again, he's a guy that we think can play the style of play that the Penguins are trying to play. Is he a perfect player? No. Does does uh, but but having said that, there aren't a lot of them out there, right? <laughs> and so it's uh, you know, and I think sometimes it's it's easy to forget that these guys are human beings. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. As a as a hockey ops department or as a coaching staff, we try to look at guys for what they can do, not so much at what they can't do. And we're going to try to help them get better in their in in the areas where they have deficiencies and and uh, they have weaknesses. Uh, 
but we're also going to try to put them in positions where they can play to their strengths and be successful. And and in Matheson's case, uh, we think this is a guy that has a whole lot of upside. Uh, he's a real mobile guy. He has elite elite skill as uh, when it comes to skating. And so, uh, if if we can uh, if we can help him in some of the deficiencies of his game, help him improve in those areas, put him in positions where he can play to his strengths, then we think he's going to make us a better team. We mentioned deficiencies. Obviously, you're you're talking about his on ice game, not in the fact that he's a Boston College product or anything like that. Well, that you know, that's just one more hurdle that I have to look by. You know, being a BU guy, it's it's never easy when we um, we're surrounded by BC guys. Yeah, now. right. You know, we got rid of one with Billy Guerin, so I know. It's, uh, <laughs> but we brought in another. But it's uh, it, it's always it's always fun when these BC guys come in. We have a little bit of banter. Yeah, it's the good college rivalry aspect. And uh, you know, you mentioned Patrick Hornquist, and you mentioned guys like that that have won championships, and, and you know, as you said, the galvanized relationships. There was another big move this offseason, a guy that. I think it's fair to say, you know, when you talk about your time with the Penguins, that you were kind of connected with and Matt Murray because of your time in Wilkes-Barre and then coming up to Pittsburgh in 2016 and him, you know, coming up with you essentially and obviously the success that followed. Uh, I think a lot of people probably saw what was coming as far as that trade was concerned, not necessarily to the team or when it was going to happen, but that it probably would happen given the reality of the the cap, the goaltending situation, what's looming ahead with the NHL. Um, but when that actually went down, you know, what was that situation like for you to, uh, I guess, kind of talk to Matt and, and you know finalize that that move of him no longer being a Penguin? Yeah, it's it's emotional. You know, this is the hard part of uh, of the business. It's the hard part of my job. You know, when when you you know, and and it's and it's my responsibility to have these conversations with these guys. They deserve those conversations. Mm-hmm. They've earned the the right and the privilege of those conversations. And uh, and these these are emotional conversations on both sides, and uh, you know this is the human aspect of what we do, and uh, and change is never easy, but it's also uh, it's also part of the business, and it's as I said earlier, it's what we sign up for. Right. And so you know we've all I've I've experienced it on a personal level, uh, and a number of our players have experienced it on a personal level. So. Uh, you know, pro sports is is not an easy business, and this is the hard part of the business. But those conversations are are, are very difficult. They're they're emotional conversations. I have so much respect for these guys. You know, Matt's a terrific person. He's a he's a very good goalie. Uh, he helped us win Stanley Cups. Uh, you know, and I thanked him for everything that he's done uh, to help the Pittsburgh Penguins be the team that they are and the organization that they are. And uh, and so, and I wish them well. And you know, the hockey world's a small world. I said this to Matt. You know, maybe somewhere down the line we'll end up working together again in, in some capacity. You know, it's a it's it's a small world. Uh, you know, but but I these conversations that you're you're talking about are uh, they're they're emotional conversations because as as I said, you build relationships with these guys. You care about these guys, right? And so uh, they're hard for me. They're yeah. hard for me personally, and uh, but they're also essential. And, and I understand that, and, and these guys deserve those conversations. Uh, as far as these guys that have been a part of championships are concerned, I know one thing that we did during the pause was we looked back on the 2016-2017 championships. We did some podcasts with former players. Uh, Tom Kunako and Eric Fair were a couple of those players. And we asked them about you and, and you know how you were able to get the team on the right track and everything. And the first thing that both of them said was the open line of communication to a man that you had across the dressing room. Uh, and I don't 
I mean, it's easy for me to say from my perspective of never having been in an NHL dressing room as a player or coach, but um, I don't feel like maybe that's a consistent thing across every single coach that's ever been in the league to have that direct line of communication. And clearly, based on what you just said, that's something that you value and something uh, that maybe sets you apart when it comes to building relationships and keeping those relationships with players through good times and bad times. I mean, wh- where did that kind of come from for, for you as far as, you know, be- wanting to be more than just a coach and also, you know, a communicator and, and someone that they could speak with? Well, I, I just think it's, uh, you know, I, I've had the privilege of playing for some really good coaches. Mm-hmm. I've had the privilege of working with some really good coaches. Uh, and you pick up different things from all of those guys, you know. And so they all help shape who you are. Right. And, uh, and the best coaches that I've played for, in my opinion, were guys that, had a certain level of transparency to to how they how they went about their business, and I think you know when you think about relationships, uh, that's how the best relationships are built. And I think the biggest challenge of coaching at this level is trying to inspire a group to buy in to a certain way of of playing or a certain way of. Uh, of going about your business every day. And and the best way to do that is to be honest with them. Mm-hmm. But you also have to build relationships with them. You know, I, my my college coach, you know, who I talk about a lot because I have so much respect for him, Jack Parker, you know, one of the things he said to me when I first got into coaching was he said, he said, you know what, so players want to know that you care before they want to know what you know. And I've never forgotten that. And uh, and Jack, when I played for him at BU, um, and for those of you that know him will understand what I'm talking about, he wasn't a warm and fuzzy coach. You know, he pushed hard. I mean, he pushed us hard. And he didn't mince words, you know. And uh, But I love that about him. And I, and I felt, from, you know, as a player, uh, and I know a lot of the players felt the same way because, you know, these guys are my friends. We've had discussions about it. As a player, we always felt, even when he was yelling at us or he was pushing us or he was he had a conversation that we didn't like, we always walked away from it feeling like he's doing that because he cares about us, not because he doesn't like us. Right. You know? And uh, and so I've never forgotten that. And, and I think and I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's important in building relationships. And so, you know, I do care about these guys. And I want to build relationships with them. You know, the other aspect of it is is when you do build relationships with them, then you can push them hard because they know that you have their best interest in mind. And so the only way you do that is you have to you have to have open lines of communication. I try to make it a point to make sure I visit with guys, whether it's informally or formally, mm-hmm. whether it's a meeting in my office or it's skating around the rink before practice starts, to make sure that that I interact with these guys every day. I give them every opportunity if they want to say something to me that they have that opportunity to do that. I encourage them if they uh, if they don't if they have questions or uh, they're not sure about anything, their role on the team or what the expectations are, then my door's open. Come in and talk. Let's let's hash it out. Mm-hmm. And so that that's just uh, that's just been part of the philosophy that I've had in, in coaching and you know, I, I I don't know how to do it any other way other than just be straightforward with them and be honest with them. And uh, 
And for me, you know, sometimes the conversations are hard, but when they're fair, uh, they need to be had. And and so, uh, you know, I they our players know this. I have so much respect for each and every one of them. I know how hard this game is. Uh, but having said that, it's it's my job to get the most out of them. Right. And the only way you get the most out of people is you got to push. If you don't push them, they'll you know human nature wants to be complacent, and so. Uh, I'm going to push them hard because I know they're capable of so much. Well, you have some uh, some new names to get to know and get to build relationships with as, as far as free agency is concerned. Uh, one name that, that comes back to Pittsburgh and Evan Rodriguez, a BU guy, so you do have some terrier uh, aspect to this Penguins roster. Uh, but Mark Jankowski coming over from the Calgary Flames, Cody Cece from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I think in along the lines of the Sevior and Matheson acquisitions, guys that fill needs within this Penguins lineup. Uh, but I guess, you know, if you could kind of enlighten us a little bit about each of those guys and, and where – you know, you see them playing and, and what they, in your mind, can bring to this Penguins team going forward this season. Sure. Well, Jankowski's a guy that uh, was, a, was a very high pick for Calgary. He was a first-round draft pick. He had a real good college career at Providence College. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a couple of real solid seasons for Calgary uh, in the 15- to 17-goal range and, you know, 30-plus 30, 30 point range. Right. Uh, and, uh, and a reliable, trustworthy 200-foot player. And so, you know, we've, we've had a difficult time trying to fill that third-line center role, and uh, I think that's well chronicled. And it certainly hasn't been from a lack of effort on anybody's part. No. <laughs> uh, but, but having said that, it's, uh, you know, we, we've had a hard time filling that role, and it's, it's such a vitally important role for our team. And, uh, and we think Jankowski has, has a, real, uh, a real good opportunity here where, uh, he he could fill that role for us. First and foremost, uh, he's a good, solid defending player. He can kill penalties. He can play against other teams' top six players. Uh, he can play in the defensive zone. He can get defensive zone starts. Uh, and so I think that's an important attribute to have when you're playing that third-line center capacity for our team. And so it gives me the opportunity as the coach to take Sid, for example, out of some of those defensive situations mm-hmm. where I can put him in more offensive mm-hmm. situations and it gives us a competitive advantage and gives him a chance to do what he does best. So first and foremost, you know, Jankowski brings that core competency to our team. Uh, real good penalty killer on top of it, right? Good size, 6'4". So he's another guy that makes us a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not the only dimension that is required to play that position for our team. And that's why it's a unique role, because we're not asking that guy to be single, a, a, a one-dimensional player or a single-dimension player. Uh, it's not good enough just to be a checker. You know, we want, we want a guy that has an offensive component to his game, that has the ability to, uh, to help us at both ends of the rink. And, uh, and, and we think Jankowski has the ability to do that. Now, last year he scored five goals. It was a down year for him. Mm-hmm. The prior couple of years he was in the 15 to 17 goal range and 30-point right. range. Uh, if he's in that range, uh, then, then that's the type of player that we're looking for that can help us win championships, along with all of the, you know, the, the, uh, the conscientious defensive play uh, that makes us hard to play against that he brings to the table. So that's Jankowski. I think he's going to be motivated to to come in. I know he is because I've had a number of conversations (laughs) with him. He's excited to be a Penguin. He's excited for that particular role. He's going to be given an opportunity. Now he has to bring his 
uh, he's got to bring his side of the of the bargain, and he's got to he's got to perform for us. But but I'm excited to watch him play. I think I think it's a it was a real prudent move by Jim. Uh, Evan Rodriguez is a guy that we didn't see a lot of, and it's unfortunate that we had the pandemic uh, because I was looking forward to, to getting more familiar with his game. Mm-hmm. And what we like about Evan is his versatility. He can play center. He can play wing. He can play in a power play if you need him to. He can p- p- kill penalties if you need him to. Uh, he's he's kind of a uh, he's a utility guy that, that we can plug in up and down our lineup in all different capacities. Uh, that that can help us depending on what circumstances are. If we get injuries in the top six, we think Evan's a guy that could potentially play in the top six because he's got pretty good offensive instincts. Uh, if we need him to play center, he, we know he can play center. He's pretty good on the faceoffs. He's a right-handed shot mm-hmm. in addition, which we didn't have a lot of. Right. So, uh, so he's a guy that brings a lot of versatility to our lineup, and he's fast. He can skate. So once again, he it goes back to the speed game that we're trying to play. Mm-hmm. Cody Cece is a guy that we think is going to improve and stabilize our defense core. You know, when when you look at the, the makeup of our defense core, we're more mobile back there. We thought it was important to add a guy that that could kill penalties, that was good at killing penalties from the back end. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we've added guys at, at, up front that have that are go- real good at killing penalties, Kapanen and Jankowski in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we've got a guy in Cody Cece that one of one of the the dimensions of his game is he's a real solid penalty killer uh, on the back end. And so when you look at the makeup of our of our roster, we've got Dumo and Tanger that can kill. We have Marcus and John Marino that are works in progress killing penalties. Right. You know we've gotten them involved, but their their works in progress. They're making uh, great improvements, uh, but but they're guys that that haven't that haven't, uh, I think, arrived there yet. And, uh, you know, and now we've added Matheson uh, as, as part of that top six. That's a mobile guy. That's a, that's a pretty solid two-way player. Right. CC brings a little bit of a different dimension. Um, you know, he's, he's got a simple game. He's got a reliable game. He plays within himself uh, and is a real solid penalty-killing defenseman. And on top of that, he's a right-handed shot, which we felt strongly we needed. And so now, when you look at the makeup of the defense corps we have, we think we have guys that that are complementary in the sense that they all do something a little bit different mm-hmm. that helps us become the team that we want to become. I think it's interesting when you look at your forward group, and you talked about your top six earlier, um, but in guys like Jankowski and guys like uh, you know the, the players that you've been able to add, Rodriguez, Sevier, uh, you throw in the guys that you're bringing back, and, and the Lafferty's, the Bluegers, the you know Aston Reese's, the Tanev's. This is no disrespect to guys like Patrick Marlowe or Patrick Hornquist, um, but it seems like those names that I mentioned to begin with seem more bottom six type of players that can play that role, understand that role, and maybe give you more valuable minutes in those roles. Uh, is that kind of how you're looking at where how things shake out when you envision your roster? Yeah, when we talk about our roster, we physically put it up on the wall and we yeah. look at it and we say, okay, what, what's the player usage going to be? Mm-hmm. What role are they going to play? Right. What happens if injuries occur? Mm-hmm. Do we have versatility that we can move guys up and around and in the in the middle or play the wing or play the offside? Who's going to kill penalties? Who's going to play in the power play? Mm-hmm. Right. These are all the questions that we try to answer when when we when we're trying to we're trying to fill that roster out. And so, you know, we physically put it right up on the wall and we talk about 
player usage and and all of the questions that I just posed. Right. So when when you look at the makeup of our roster as it is right now, you know we feel strongly that the top six um, should be the top six. <laughs> you know, and uh, and so um, and and when you look at our bottom six, I'm not sure which one's the third line. Right. Right. I agree. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. So we've got we've got a bottom six that there's going to be some some internal competition that's going to drive them to be at their best, which is something that we've always valued mm-hmm. is that internal push. And so you know we've got we we think we have uh, the makeup um, that allows us to play to the identity of this team and the versatility and the depth that if we hit bumps on the road from an injury standpoint or inevitably it always comes our way, <laughs> then we have to have the ability to move guys and maneuver to, to continue to put a competitive lineup on the ice night in and night out. And so when you look at the guys that, that Jim's acquired, you know, they're not blockbuster deals by any stretch. I think they're prudent, calculated moves. And, and uh, I, I, I think Jim did a real good job in trying to improve our hockey team. One thing that you guys had in place, obviously we mentioned the move of Matt Murray, but you certainly had a goaltender in place going into next season. He's been locked up for three years in Tristan Jari. Uh, a big year in 2019-2020 is an understatement for him, obviously making the All-Star game, winning 20 games. Um, when you look at this season and, and beyond for him, obviously he's the starting goaltender coming into this year, and I don't think there's any question about that. But where are you looking to see the growth continue for him? Because I know a lot of times in, in talking to you and talking to Mike Buckley that it's been more about being you know, a professional hockey player and, and what comes with that and, and growing as a person. But now he is the starter. Now he's the guy here. Uh, where are you guys looking at you know, moving into this season and beyond for Tristan Jari? Well, I, we think the sky's the limit for Tristan. He's a he is a really talented goaltender, and he's made big strides within the last couple of years. You know, his work ethic, his professionalism, his mm-hmm. uh, consistency of performance, and I think it has a direct tr- translation from his habits and, and you know his daily habits. Yeah. And Tristan and I have had this conversation since I had him in Wilkesbury, and so uh, Tristan's grown up a lot. And he deserves a lot of credit for the work he's put in to, to bring his game to where it's at. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our expectation is that Tristan stays on that path. Now, I don't want to sit here and project where he's going to go because right. uh, I think the sky's the limit for him. Mm-hmm. But that's up to him. And, uh, and, and so, you know, our expectation is, is that he's going to continue to strive and bring the necessary desire to improve and get better every day and the willingness to put the work in each and every day. And as long as, as, long as Tristan does that, I, I believe, I believe that, that he has the ability to be a, a, a premier goalie in this league. We'll look forward to seeing how this year and obviously the, the subsequent two beyond this one go for him as he signed that three-year deal uh, with the Penguins. A lot to touch on there as far as the roster was concerned and everything that happened, kind of, I guess, indicative of just how busy things have been in a not very busy time as far as game action and anything else really inside the rink is concerned for the Penguins. Uh, but, you know, when you look at going ahead to next year, and you mentioned this or this season a little bit, um, when you don't know when it will start and you don't know what it will look like, 
what has preparation been for you with the players as far as, you know, the communication with them? And I know you mentioned the training staff and I know you mentioned the coaching staff, but as far as keeping these guys kind of in the loop and, and making sure that – not that you necessarily have to check up on them, I assume, but making sure that everyone's, you know, getting themselves and their bodies in the right spot to be ready whenever that time comes because – if maybe the indication of this return to play this past summer is was any indication, when that decision is made, it's probably going to be pretty quick as far as how the wheels will turn in getting set for that 2020-2021 season. Yeah, I would th- I would think when the decision is made, it's going to happen in a timely fashion. And uh, I think the players have a ballpark understanding of, of where it's going to fall. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that helps them with their training regiments and – as I said, I've talked to a number of our players. Um, I talk consistently with our strength and conditioning coaches who have, uh, you know, if not daily, weekly interaction with our players. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have three strength and conditioning guys. They all kind of divide and conquer when it comes to uh, <laughs> our roster, and they're all responsible for following a certain amount of players on our team. And they have, um, you know, they have – as I said, if not daily, at least weekly interactions with these guys and monitoring their training regiments and their progress Mm -hmm. and and trying to advise them and help them navigate through the uncertainty of the timeline, for example, uh, which makes it tough. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's, uh, you know, when you don't have, you know, when the goalposts are moving, it's not easy, you know. So it's... uh, but but these guys are good pros and and I know they're all excited to to get back and, and on the ice and playing and uh, and they're doing the necessary things off the ice to make themselves and keep themselves ready and so in some instances and like I talked to our strength guys with some of our guys it's uh, some of our younger guys it's a it's a huge window of opportunity where they have an opportunity to actually gain strength and build strength and maybe gain some weight and put on some muscle mass. Uh, players like Marcus Pedersen or Jake Gensel or John Marino and mm-hmm. uh, you know players of that nature that when you when you're playing an 82 game schedule with exhibition season plus playoffs you're essentially playing over 100 games a year right. it's hard to to make strength gains and muscle gains uh, throughout the course of that year and mm-hmm. then usually the window to 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 do that in the off season has been short especially mm-hmm. with the penguins in the last 5 years right so uh, this has been a uh, a unique opportunity for some of our younger guys to utilize that to build strength, to build muscle. Uh, you know, maybe put on a little bit of muscle weight that's going to help them uh, when they do return to play. And so we've had those conversations with those guys, and I and I know they're taking it seriously. They're trying to maximize this unique opportunity they have. I have a couple more questions for you, and then we're, we're all set, Coach. Again, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you know, you talked a little bit about guys kind of, you know, figuring out how to get ready for next season and whatnot. For you, this downtime, I think, has been a little unique for everybody. And I know, you know, with some of the stuff that you're involved in that interests you away from hockey, the leadership and some of the coaching stories that you've come across and everything like that, have you had a time and a chance to, to dive into that a little bit more, maybe some books or anything that's jumped out at you that's kind of – tried to help you out on that front yeah you know i've always been uh intrigued by you know different people teams organizations that have success Mm -hmm. and so uh in leadership such a big part of it and so uh you know i try to you know i I think it's important that we're we're all trying to get better in in our respective positions and uh and grow as people and and grow as leaders and and so 
you know, I do a fair amount of reading, and uh, you know, I've uh, we've done things. You know, we, we've already had the discussions. For example, during the pandemic stoppage, we uh, you know we had interactions with the Cleveland Indian staff and Terry Francona, and uh, and kind of interacting with them and sharing experiences. Right? We mm-hmm. we all have similar challenges, right? And so. Uh, you know, when when you when you have an opportunity to uh, to kind of listen to and learn from a guy like Terry Francona, that's one World World Series, and you know, being born and raised a Boston guy, I, I might get myself in trouble here, but I was a diehard Red Sox fan growing up. It's hard so to I, shed those childhood hey, that, that, loyalties. That's, you know? that's a pretty it's, iconic team. You know? And so, uh, <laughs> you know, and Tito was the guy that brought us the World Series, and so right. uh, you know, I, I was to have the opportunity to. To spend some time with Tito and his staff for me was a was a great thrill. You know, we've done some stuff with the Steelers, um, so we're always looking for those opp- opportunities, uh, my, myself included. And uh, and so I, I've done a fair amount of that. We've we've been on some, uh, you know, some leadership uh, uh, discussions with 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 some military people and and things of that nature as well. So it's uh, you know we're all trying to utilize uh, this opportunity. Uh, to uh, to grow and develop and get better when otherwise we really wouldn't have that chance to reach outside our hockey bubble, so to speak. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of people in Pittsburgh that maybe view you. Maybe you weren't the first one to bring the Stanley Cup to Pittsburgh, but in some people's lives you were. So as the head coach, so maybe you have a Terry Francona vibe to some people here. You never know. Well, that that would be an honor to to uh, <laughs> to be to be in the same conversation as Tito. He's uh, he's just a terrific person and. Uh, you know he's got great leadership skills. You know you talk about a guy that, you know he's a he's a uh, he's a communicator. His players love him. He's uh, he's a guy that really uh, that that really has taken that that communication with his players to another level. A conversation that started by looking back in Columbus that ends with Terry Francona. Maybe just a, a sign of the times, Coach. Thanks. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> may, maybe it is. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. A lot of ground covered by Mike Sullivan in that conversation, and really interesting to hear the raw emotion in his voice when discussing some of the changes around the Penguins organization that's occurred this offseason. He wears it. We all wear it. As Sullivan said, when you win a championship, it galvanizes relationships. But to the coach in this team's credit, there is definitely an understanding that there are new relationships that are ready to be built, and hopefully those are also galvanized by championship experiences. So a lot to process as far as this current Penguins roster and build out of that roster are concerned. But it appears Sullivan has the wheels going, not a surprise, at warp speed uh, in his mind in getting everything in order for the upcoming season, of course, whenever that may begin. And we'll be sure to bring you plenty more conversation leading up to that time. Again, I really want to thank Mike Sullivan for taking the time. Great to catch up with him and get a sense of normalcy back uh, as a result of our conversation. And of course, thanks to all of you for tuning in and lending us your ears. That is very much appreciated. Again, if you are not subscribed to this podcast, please do us the favor and subscribe. We're available on Spotify. Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Music. Just smash that subscribe button and join the fold so you don't miss any Scoop Podcast episodes. This has been another episode of the Scoop Podcast. It's all presented by PPG. Until next time, I'm Josh Getzoff. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.